Hey everybody, this is Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Welcome to episode 83 of the podcast. We are going to wow you with uh, two games and some music later. But before we get to that, let me shoot through our, uh, I guess we just call it internet presence preamble. You can find us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as Discord for just searching the name of the podcast. We have a store that uh, we are hoping before too long to maybe start posting some... I think we did just post a new art for the Co-op Endeavors as yeah, a, like a sweater. Co-op, co-op Endeavors stuff on there. So there may be more of that to come in our Lockstock store. Right now, as all of this is playing, yeah, under this little preamble, there's a music bed. I'm not sure which one you will be using, but thank all the people who are involved with that. If you want to hear your music either in this uh, bed of music right here in the preamble or as an actual band at the end of the episode, uh, feel free to email us at the number two smoking, con- smoking controllers at gmail.com. And we'll, that's where we'll read all of our, our you know, fan mail, the suggestions for games we should try out and all that fun stuff as well as musical recommendations and applications for playing your music. Besides, uh, speaking of music, we have Drew also will be adding to it today, and I'll make sure he tries. It has all the musical recommendations, the song that we've played for that musical recommendation. You just search that on uh, Spotify, mm-hmm. the name of the podcast. One of the cool things we've been doing lately, and we're you know happy when, when for the people that show up, it is we're doing Twitch for our Lockstock Two Smoke Controllers presents Lockstock and Three Smoke Controllers Co-op Endeavors. We're hanging out with our cousin Brian and going through a bunch of these uh, bigger co-op endeavors. They're always big. There's one we did in two nights. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. But they're just these cool little co-op ditties that we're having fun with. Then we make space on the podcast, like, like our last episode the main was. Feed, yeah. yeah, our podcast. We do an episode talking about our adventures in said co-op endeavor. We also want to shout out to all of our patrons, Patreons. Thank you for supporting us. And if you would like to join that uh, as well, there's like I think just two tiers. Uh, I just do the one, the one for right now because we're not we're not a big Patreon. So you you join that, you get the you get the episode the day we record it, unedited. And, uh, you know, some that's I guess that's fun for some people. Who knows? I know Brian listens to it sometimes just to see uh, see how messy it is before we before I clean it up and then also on there if you realize we, we have long silly names for our podcast if you want ever interested in from the Patreon ever interested in naming an episode you can just message us on the Patreon and we will tell you the upcoming games and let you throw together a long silly name for us I think that kind of covers everything if you want now it's a little bit of self-promotion on my part 
we have a brother podcast called Action, the movie podcast with myself and a friend of ours, Steve. We take turns surprising one another with movies, and we kind of do deep dives into that, writers, directors, behind-the-scenes stuff, and yeah. cool things like that. And that is that spawned from me trying not to spoil things on this. Yeah. On that one, I, like I said, we do deep dives, so it's full spoiler warning from the get-go, and we dive into it. Sort of, sort of connected to video games. The Blake's last pick, which was our last episode of Action, was uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. You may or may not have heard of that movie 20, 20 years ago, but uh, we still have and we still watch it occasionally. So, come listen to that that episode. That's kind of a video game connection, where me and Blake know games, but Steve doesn't know games. So it's kind of kind of interesting that that kind of juxtaposition of learning about him like him learning about the people who created that movie as compared to like what me and Blake already knew about some of the creators of that movie it's kind of a cool episode I had fun doing it and as for myself I have a uh, short story that I self-published on Amazon called They Come This Night you can just search that title and it should pop up pretty easy it's free for anyone who has Kindle Unlimited if you don't it's just a buck and there's links to all of this in the show notes, so feel free to uh, check that out. Thank you guys very much. And with that, I we will be jumping into our first game. Yeah, so we have we have two games. They're not they're not related in any kind of way. They're it's um, they're both PlayStation, which we don't seems like we don't hit that many PlayStation games. But uh, these both came both came on GameFly, so this is actually not a game. Well, sort of half of a Gamefly episode. Our Gamefly episodes, it's, if you're familiar with the podcast, are usually games that we played on Gamefly, didn't like, and sent back. Kind of like the episodes where Gamefly saves us from purchasing games we would hate. Uh, this is the kind of the other side of that. Where we didn't, well, I didn't love these games, but like we actually got these on Gamefly. Actually, beat both. Both of us beat both of these games. Uh, well, we sort of beat one, as we'll talk about the first game because it has multiple extended annoying endings but we we both beat the initial ending i think uh so yeah these are both playstation uh i think both playstation 4 game we, we might have played the playstation 5 version of one of the we did yeah we played the playstation 5 version of one of these but i don't think it made much of a difference um but yeah they're both from gamefly we both beat them we both have a little bit to say about both of them we'll see they're not any kind of games that we're super super in love with but you know we'll share our thoughts about them as Blake will go into the uh the first game here the first game we'll be tackling is called Crystar Yeah. 
it originally came out October 18th, 2018, and has since come out on everything. It's uh, on, well, not everything. It's not on Xbox, but I think they're working on it because it's available on Windows. So you can, if you have like a Steam machine or whatever, you can work on it. It's also PS4 and Switch. We played the PS4 version. Yeah. It is developed by Gemstones, or Gem Drops, rather. Gem Drops. Based out of Japan, which is in, a, in a, I guess, the province or district of Chofu, Tokyo. So far, they've only made three games. They've done one called Crojan Sword of Rewind, and it is a... Uh, a 2D platformer with a time manipulation mechanic, hmm. as you can tell by the name. Yeah, is that on mobile or is that other stuff? I think that was only on mobile hmm. at the time. Now, there is the the other game they have is called Kizuna AI Touch the Beat, and it is a VR beat rhythm game. Hmm. Okay. And then we have Crystar, which is the one we'll be talking about very, today. Very different stuff each yeah. time they make a game. All three things are vastly different. They do uh, often help co-develop or work in tandem with Furyu and Spike Chunsoft, which are mm-hmm. people we've spoken of before in similar genres. Yeah, well, those those both more focus on JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about Spike Chunsoft. I don't think we spoke about Furyu, but we I'm sure we will eventually. They tend to be more Furyu, not that um. God, what was that game? It's it's such a it's like generic JRPG stuff, but like you, we played the whole thing. Uh, has a remake coming out too. The Fairy Fencers. Yeah, Fairy Fencer was that not Furyu? Them. That's the Fairy people. Fencer, yeah. That's the. Um, I don't think that's Furyu. Furyu. Okay, so I'm gonna make it because I know Furyu does stuff. That's like, Advent Heart. Advent Heart. Okay. Because they do that. They did that made one where you like the five idol maids, but your five idols. Cross code and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's. I think pretty sure that's um, Compile Heart. Heart. I'm that pretty sure that's who that is. But I don't know. I've seen the Furyu name in other places. They tend to be more of a producer, but yeah. yeah. Um, Spike Chunsoft, I feel like, is mostly famous for... Graphic novels. Yeah. Danganronpa, mm-hmm. which I've tried multiple times to play, even recently as, because the one, 1, 2, and 3 were on Game Pass, and 1 was leaving Game Pass, and I played it for like an hour. We had Danganronpa on our earlier Gamefly episode, where we tried to play it on... Play, they, had, they had a re-release on PlayStation 4. We had the disc... Mm-hmm. We played for about an hour each. It was bored out of our minds and turned it off. I gave it another chance because it was a further like re-release. The, like it was like a like anniversary edition on the, on Game Pass, and I tried it again when it was leaving Game Pass, and got about an hour, hour and a half into it. It was so bored out of my mind, I had to turn it off. So I don't know when, if those games pick up. And visual novels were just hard in general for people to enjoy, but uh, games aren't for everybody. I'm, I'm just, no matter how hard I try, I just can't get into Danganronpa. Yeah, uh, they have, they've been around, the company itself has been around since May 1st, 2013, and they're currently operating with 69 people. And this is kind of a cool thing I like giving, you know, she's doing shout outs for people. They're currently hiring for five positions, so (laughs) if you're looking to get into the gaming industry, you have a little bit of, you know, know know-how look them up you may be able to work remotely or you may need to move to Japan your choice it could be your dream job you never know mm-hmm. but go for it guys follow your dreams and all that fun stuff one kind of interesting cool thing is uh, the the writer for the game her name is uh, Naoki Hisaya Hisaya mm-hmm. and she's formerly of Key 
which is a large uh, graphic novel company. And she is notably one of the primary scenario writers for an ongoing game series called Kanan or Canon, K A N O N, and it uh, tends to Japan be, only. Yeah, it's okay. a really big one, and it is um, adult. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'll say about it because it it tends to go back and forth, but it is like dark and adult. Hmm. But she uh, apparently left there and wanted to make a, a new game, but it was the same type of story. Yeah. The story is dark, but it's, darker. it's, uh, not adult. Well, a little bit. Everyone hits on a 14 year old and it's uncomfortable, but anyway, but see, that also goes to why there are certain flaws in the game. Cause I guess they, they just didn't know. Cause you've seen the other games they've made. They don't really know what they're, they're doing. They're shooting in a bunch of directions. I would say that they don't know what they're doing. I think they're ta- taking lots of shots. Yeah, they yeah, true. true, 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 true the true. game's not the guess this game's not a mess. It's just we'll talk about the game's not like broken or anything. It's, so they do. They are as developers. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Let me go ahead and preface this. We we beat the game sort of. Yes. And I mean sort of. This happens a lot with these. Some Japanese games. Like Japanese games and sometimes even like visual novels. Because well, this game so has... We, we, we pre- again, double preface. You said preface, I think. We'll yeah. double preface that this game is not a straight visual novel. There's talking. There's, I think. Oh, well, I wouldn't even consider this a visual novel at all. There's not enough talking for it to be a visual novel. This game actually probably doesn't have enough talking because of... And the talking they do have is kind of repeating too much. Like we wanted like this is this is more of a dungeon crawler kind of a thing. And you do multiple floors and get no dialogue and then that's kinda of where the boredom sets in. And then when they do have the dialogue, they spend time repeating themselves and you're just like, Oh man, say something new or move the for- story forward. But that's when we get to where Blake's saying about the extended multiple endings. Because of something I'm not gonna ruin it necessarily, but due to certain circumstances at the once you we, we got the first ending. We, quote-unquote, beat the game at least once. Mm-hmm. But there are four, counting the one we did, four timelines, four additional endings. I thought, where, there, was, I thought there was three endings total. There's there's the one we got, and then there's three after that. Oh, God, I, I thought there was two. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 I read the, uh, the plot synapses to try to figure out what happened. And each time, either something... It's not until the fourth one where everything kind of progresses further. It's too much. Because it's... I'm not beating it. You don't have to do... It's not New Game Plus. You don't have to beat the whole game over. But you... I, think, I do like... I did, part of the, I did part of the second one. And then I was hoping it would be like those kind of things where you, like, you play through something kind of like a... Kind of like a Groundhog's Day, but it's not presented that way. Like You would hope that like events are happening differently. We played something else recently where you're playing through... The same thing again, but events are changing. I feel like we have a memory of a game we played. Who knows how recent it was, but uh, but you play through, and then things are things are different. Uh, things about with this one, as far as I played on the second round, because I was I, I didn't know how long it was until I googled it. But I was playing through the second run because it sets you back to a certain day, and you start playing forward again. But like nothing was changing. I'm like, at first I was watching the cutscenes. I'm like, okay, we, this, none, none of this dialogue is any different than what it was before, and I'm waiting for things to be different to adjust. And was it 12 minutes? Repeating the timeline over and over again? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but like, it also you don't really make 
like choices in this game to move to alter the alter the timeline. Like there's, you're you're not actively making choices, so you're like you're waiting for the dialogue to change, even though you're not you're not actually doing anything different. Waiting for the dialogue to change, and I played far enough on the second thing that I didn't get the second ending, but I googled it, and that's when I found out there was like I have like however many hours I'd played, I got that many hours again on top of that to get all of it. And I was like, Oh God, no, I'm not doing all this. Yeah. No. Cause what, what it appears to be is how they, the game mechanic works is like in, cause it, it returns you or fast forwards you to chapter six or seven every time. And then and as you play through chapter seven, these things happen and it literally, all the decisions are you, you have a four person party and the party gets split in half. And then for three of the endings, basically all three of the endings, it splits the party up in the different combinations to where at least your three other members get caught with your main character and secrets are revealed. Mm-hmm. And then in the final one, there's an additional character that doesn't join your party, but joins into the whole hubbub and you guys don't get split up in a huge story thing. Revelation happens. And you know, I'm just like, I'm not doing it. Because it didn't change enough. And the fact that it didn't matter until the fourth inning, I wasn't doing it. Yeah, it's already taken too long. So we should talk about the what actually, the actual, the, just kind of synopsis of what the, the story and what's going on, I feel like. And then the, the, gameplay, the gameplay that entails, the gameplay that you experience that leads to us not, that you kind of don't want to do this for this long. And I don't know how long I played. It's harder to see how long you played on PlayStation Without, a little bit. Pulling the game up and looking at your yeah, save file. Yeah, I should I should wrote it down. Maybe I didn't I didn't write mine down, but it's harder it's harder to see on there how long we had played already had played too long. It was definitely a, a forty five plus. You, already, you played forty five hours? I think wasn't it? Or was it thirty? I don't know. No, that, it was no, between thirty and forty five. Easy, and I'm just like I'm not I'm tired of this. Yeah, I was tired of it before that. But anyway, let's. Uh, you got a little synopsis for kind of what's what's initially going on? Okay, because unfortunately, like a small a small intro synopsis. Covers a large portion of the game because you're doing, you're kind of doing the same. Your 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 initial goal is the same for like the whole game. Oh yeah, yeah. So what happens is your main character Ray, and she has a sister Mirai. You both die. Yeah, sort of. So, like, you don't. I don't exactly fully understand. It's been a minute since we played, but you both end up in, pur- in, in pur- purgatory, pur- dead pur- and in purgatory. So you do die. The game gets very confusing on whether you're dead, dead, or alive, dead, or dead, alive. <laughs> Since it, it, it's you know it's very it's very anime and very kind of uh, wishy washy a little bit on what each of those different things mean. I think Ray is on the verge, but Mariah is fully so, gone. So Ray Ray is alive, dead, mm-hmm. and uh, Mariah is dead, dead. Yes, because you're floating around as a spirit butterfly. Bear with me. And your consciousness hasn't quite drifted apart, mm-hmm. and it's coming back. And so, as your consciousness comes back, your consciousness slash soul, if you reform from a butterfly into your body, so you you know your identity, who you are, and you're surrounded by a bunch of other butterflies that are the the, the whole the whole game is voice acted, thankfully, mm-hmm. rather well, I would say. Yeah, I, and no one was really annoying. Yeah, some of the some of the hollering sometimes gets tedious. They're hollering to each other's names. Like when you say Mariah and Ray, you you hear you hear Mariah, Mariah. Like a lot, she cries her sister's name a lot. I mean, I get she's sad, looking for her sister in purgatory, but there's a lot of like high pitched kind of wailing of her sister's name throughout the game. And as it goes on, 
kind of the, this is kind of like the whole intro area. You're running very, you're walking very slowly at you're first, floating kind of like a little yeah. butterfly. And then you have like the realization that I am me. My consciousness is this. My name is Ray. And then your sister kind of she comes together too. And as you guys are walking through, which you find out it was purgatory, and you're trying to run towards the light. I guess Mariah takes a turn for the worse. Her body does. Well, that monster appears and like breaks the breaks yeah. the p- pathway. Oh yeah, it, it does. seems kind of not part of re- not really part of how the world works necessarily. But she falls down with the monster, and then you kind of gotta. And then you manage to escape purgatory, but she's stuck there. But the issue is because of this weird anime afterlife thing. When you come back to the real world, you're like asleep in your bed, and you wake up as like a start. And you're looking for your sister, and no one even knows you have a sister. That's so weird. This is very similar to that one game with the three stories and the uh, the stranger who was making people disappear from the timeline. God, here we go. Th- th- thinking about other games we've played, and can't remember what it was. It was called. I can figure out. Just waste time. Back for blood, Raji. Boyfriend, what was that? Last stop. Oh yeah, last stop. It was last stop. That guy, that green guy, kept the stranger teleporting people away, or whatever, and the people forgot they were even existed. Exactly. So yeah. this, I guess it's something similar to that. Yeah. Because as you, it kind of only happens to her sister though. Does it? They don't mention it with anybody else. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Anyway, you manage to make it out of purgatory. You don't have your sister. You have a pet dog named Thelma, who's adorable and loves you. And you can pet her for trophies and just have cute stuff with, with your dog. You then get a random phone call. I, you, I think you, you basically the whole the whole game is this part is graphic novelty because you don't leave your main character's bedroom. You don't walk around the house. You don't go to school. But like the screen fades to black and you hear a bunch of sound effects, and then you come back. Mm-hmm. We've we've all seen that trope and like where they're trying to you know save save some budget. Yeah. Oh, most of the majority of the, you're either in the bedroom talking to people on the phone, and that's kind of where you do some other inventory stuff. I don't want to dig into really dig into the mechanics of all that. You're, it's equipped. There's equipment like um, equipment fusion, fusion and, and stuff like that. That's all just normal, kind of like it's not even complicated. It's normal like fuse two weapons together to make a better weapon. Kind of like, like a that. gotcha game, not more and less like an actual dungeon crawler. Well, you do find the equipment in the dungeons and bring it back, and then you fuse it together. But you have there's to... all that's done in the bedroom. There's a diary, a vestry, your phone, like all this normal not dungeon stuff is only done in her bedroom. It's all it's all with menus and stuff. You don't walk around the room, but you don't ever see anything in the real world outside of her bedroom. No. And you walk up to the mirror, and the mirror for some reason connects you to a purgatory, and you go inside. There's a but ninety percent of the game is spent in the dungeons. And the reason you're able to come back and forth from purgatory purgatory is you you get pulled into purgatory one more time by the rulers of purgatory these two demons called mephis and Phyles, mm-hmm. and they are the groundskeepers slash ru- rulers of yeah. purgatory and things have gotten out of control something they've lost control of something and since you were able to come in and leave they realize you have potential to become a a hunter for them. So they have you sign. It has a name. It has a name. But basically a hunter to track down malevolent, a revenant. No, Reven- revenants are the bad ones. So revenants are like spirits that are like semi-aware of who they of who they were in a way. 
and they somehow learn. I don't know if it's through. I don't know how they always figure out that, or they. I think it's, revenants learn that if you kill, if you eat enough other spirits, you can re- revive yourself. Mephis and Felis, they kind of explain that. They explain that to Ray, but Ray is not a Ray is not a revenant, so she she has to, she's too self aware of who she is, I guess. So she's not evil. Most revenants are evil, except for there's like one. We're not gonna get into that mess, but uh. I don't know how revenants learn that they can eat. I guess one of the main bad guys is, is, a, is, a, is a self-aware revenant. Yeah, I was going to talk about her. She'll be the, she's going to be the next one I talk yeah, about. Yeah, so, so, but revenants, I forget how revenants learn, maybe even naturally, they learn that if you eat enough souls, kill enough people, you know, really kill enough people, that you can use that power to bring yourself back to life. Well, it might be, because it's like, you know, strongest survive, so they're killing and eating these other spirit, the butterfly spirits, and then... Maybe they eat enough, they absorb enough of their spirit that they start to realize, and they well, didn't they didn't they say that like only one or one or two people have ever achieved revival achieved revival that way or something like yeah. that. Like, I we, know this all sounds very complicated, people. It's not. It's it's not near as complicated as it sounds. It's really not because you because you hear they they talk about this so much in the game, but they repeat it over and over again. Revenants are this, and so and so is this, and they do revival, revival, revival. It's like the whole thing of. The whole, the whole theme of the game is death and revival. We get to our main bad guy, Anamnesis. Anamnesis is the quote-unquote revenant queen or revenant princess. I forget the, the term. Was she even really that, that... Weren't they mistaking her for that? Wasn't that somebody else? Well, I'm not trying to spoil that for people. Oh, well, still. Anyway, so she's the main bad guy. Yeah, she's who kills... Somehow, some revenants are powerful enough to affect the real world, like mainly like cause that bus crash. Mm-hmm. And when they cause they cause a, a major fatality event in the real world, then they can eat those souls. So I, I don't they don't really explain how some revenants are strong enough to affect the real world. But Anamesis is one of those that can like travel, I guess, into the real world and draw people, draw their souls from the real world into purgatory, so she can eat them. Yeah, so she ended up like. Which, uh, this is, uh, big, because what happens is she end up, like, pulling a bus driver's soul into purgatory and killing the bus driver while he had a, a, f- a full route of people. Mm-hmm. He ends up wrecking, killing a bunch of people, uh, and a good chunk of people on, on the bus. One of which happens to be one of Ray's best friends. Or a friend of Ray's, yeah. Or so she thinks the best friend. It's, yeah, as well as one of the other, one of the other party members' mother, and actually ends up by killing someone else. And it is like this a huge event that pulls everybody in. So this is the the linchpin event that caused everything to spiral out of control and messed up. Um, the purgatory and had to get you to sign a contract to be a hunter for Mephis and Feles. And Anamnesis is bad news. And, you know, you fight her, you lose, you get your butt kicked, and then you're told, we need to, you need to train more. But if you can make it all the way down through to the gate, uh, the cogs of renewal, and you've gained enough idia, you can combine this idia. More, more words that have no real meaning. You can combine the idia with what remains of your sister's soul and you can achieve revival for Mirai. 
And you really just, it, it, it turns into one of those like 100 floor dungeon type situations. I don't think it's 100 floors, but each chapter has about four. Has three story ones and then a bonus one that's strictly just for you to go in and you can farm the bonus one to get a bunch of equipment for, in, for fusion and upgrading and so on and so forth. And as you go through your journey, you come across several or three other individuals. Kokoro, Sin, and Nanana. And uh, each the cool thing is you get a, a massive party, but it does that that action combat thing or that Dynasty Warriors thing where you have a huge you have a party, but you can only one of you are out at a time and you just toggle it by hitting one of the bumpers. One of the R one L ones I think you cycle through. Cycle through. Because you could yeah. Talk about the characters? Yeah. No, it was directional. D- D-pad. D-pad. Yeah, D-pad, you're right. Yeah, I'm on the website trying to figure out what the freaking, what what the title of their job is. You, you keep talking. Anyway, the good news is each one of you, like this this kind of cuts down on the monotony, is once you get all four party members, you each, each one has a distinct and different fighting style. You have uh, Ray, your main character. She's a simple... Sword girl. I'm not, I don't think she's sword and shield. I think she's just sword, just like sword <clears throat> rapier. Like a rapier, yeah. She doesn't fight. She slashes. She doesn't really do. A, yeah, so it's, like it's a, just a sword. More like a regular sword rapier. She's not doing piercing stuff like a rapier. And then does. your next gal, Kokoro, is a fist. She's be throwing fist cuffs, claws, fists, so on and so forth like that. Then your next girl, Sin, is a dual wielder. But I think she dual wields katanas, right? Yes. Yeah, dual wielding katanas. Yeah, actually, I, I like I like playing as her. She was pretty fun. Uh, not she was fun, and quite powerful. She was just a little slow, but the amount of damage she dealt out, you, your speed makes up for it. So that was fine. And then your last girl, Nanana, became semi game breaking because uh, as you, for one, she you know she was already decently powerful, but she was a long range character. Executor, oh, that's way stupid. Yeah, so when sorry when they signed the contract to work for the demons, like Ray does, and some of the other characters we're talking about now, everybody except for Nanana, just because Nanana is technically a revenant, you become an executor for the demons. Sorry, drive me crazy. I forgot what that freaking word was. Nanana, like I said earlier, Nanana is a little game breaking, and I keep saying her name over and over again because she says her name. Over and over again, she, she speaks talks, to she herself talks. in the third person. Yeah, because she again, she's a revenant who has achieved consciousness and was evil, but you beat her, and she likes to play games with you. So as long as you keep playing games with her, she's not going to be evil. She'll be your friend. And she, no, 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 wants to do this. No, 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 wants to. And so, no, 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 it's a. Whew. She learned her, through her story. She does figure out what her old, her her original, because no, 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 is not her. Nanana is not her real name. She has a memory thing. She travels. You go through some of her memories too to kind of figure out who she was, and you find out everyone. Everyone has a pretty interesting story. I think Kokoro's may have been probably the most dark. Mm-hmm. I won't get into hers, but each their personal stories as to how they ended up in purgatory mm-hmm. and why they were running around and yeah. and lost. Before we before we veer into that, we'll talk about how Nanana is game breaking. She's the only. Easy to say. She's the only ranged character. Yeah. So you just kind of you kind of walk into a room, click the lock on, and just smash on the attack button, and she just has a range. She throws these weird bubbles, 
Mm-hmm. I guess they're bubbles. I don't know what they are. Maybe like jungle, like juggling balls. Or I, something. I don't know what don't they know. are, but but she this but she's the ranged character of the game, and that completely changes. Like you don't have to be, you can stand in the front of a room and just keep in the locker room. will just switches to the next alive enemy, and you just kind of blow everything away. Like I, I pretty much except for when the story made me change characters, I played as not and not the rest of the game. Well, yeah. as far as we played, yeah. She was also, if you went into a room and you're like, oh, I know this is a tough enemy that she can't beat. You could stand outside. You can't lock on, but you could aim into mm-hmm. the room and kill them. And so they, when they tried to come out the room, they they would be blocked by the front door. Yeah, and they couldn't get you. So it's like, it's like an invisible wall. They can't walk out of the room that they're fighting. So I would, I would it kill. It's weird that they didn't like that. It didn't do like some games would do, where it like you know like Devil May Cry, where it like you walk into a battle and it like it like covers the door where you can't leave. Yeah. This game didn't. It do did that. that very rarely. Where it would put the, the symbols up on the walls. It would do that. It, in, it did in do it. certain rooms, but not all of them. Yeah. It's weird, but anyway, not announced kind of the way to go. Unless, unless you like me, if you if you like one of the other characters and like being more involved in the combat, like uh, Kokoro, I think is her name, the Fist Girl. She was only a, mainly a problem. I didn't play with her because she's too single enemy focused. Yeah, the other and there's it, usually usually fighting kind of groups of stuff, and her just hitting one enemy just she just is not. Well, not not only hit one enemy too, but because of the long range, range know. change that kind of mess. She can kind of <clears throat> and she kills stuff really really fast. I mean, maybe Kokoro would too if you got up got up in the mess and like was punching folks. But you go from Ray, who's kind of swinging wide, hitting multiple enemies, and you get Kokoro, and you're kind of like, uh. And then uh, Sin is just like kind of sort of her, her move set's different, but she's kind of like a, a heavier hitting version of Ray, kind of with two swords. Yeah. And one cool thing the game does do right from the get go is the character you're playing as, and the the kills they get, they get a hundred percent experience, and any of the other girls on the bench, quote-unquote, they'll get, uh, they get 75% of the experience. I thought it was, thought it was 80. Was it 80? I think oh, it might be 80. Yeah. But it keeps your people from being too far behind. Mm-hmm. Now, Kokoro was always my lowest level, and as I played through the game, again, to cut down on the monotony, I would, anytime one of the girls leveled up, I would switch to another one. I just, to try to keep levels similar, just for no reason other than cutting down on the monotony. Mm-hmm. Cause I like dungeon crawlers. I like, you know, some Diablos. I like these top down action Baldur's this, Gate. I, yeah. That's not what this is though. No, not at all. Like heck, I liked Boyfriend Dungeon. Yeah. Boyfriend Dungeon was very fun. Yeah. And this was This is running so the the so we talk we talk about the combat and stuff like that and the gameplay and the the story is your Pretty much going deeper and deeper into purgatory, chasing. I don't know how your sister's soul stays ahead of you, but you're trying to get to your sister's soul before she gets to the cogs of renewal, whatever they're called. There's these cogs that grind your soul into a new person, apparently. Mm-hmm. Some more strange lore there. Uh, her, her soul spends the entire game being one step ahead of you, no matter all this other stuff you go through. Somehow her soul just stays ahead of you the whole time, just floating down, I guess, to past all the things you're dealing with. I don't know how it doesn't make sense, but, and also like Anamesis is like also chasing that soul in spite of you because she wants to kill your sister because she's evil, I guess. Because you, you're spiting her. Yeah. You're getting in her way and destroying her, but her big creatures that she's sending. What this entails is running these floors of dungeon, which, I maybe I I guess are procedurally generated. They're not, but it's but it's not like very complicated. You're just running down these hallways. No, these, they're the they're the same. They're the yeah. same every time. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that's worse than procedural. Maybe 
But the game is set up in a way where like it like half expects you to keep rerunning dungeons to get like equipment and stuff like that. And I'm just like, nah, this is too, like it's it's way too monotonous. You're running down now. The visuals change as you change through parts of the story, but the gameplay is so is so exactly what it is that like the the visuals of the hallways changing doesn't mean anything. You're just running down the same corridors because even the enemy types there's like five enemy types and that's it they just change colors palette swamp swamp. so it gets real like you're you're almost probably by like the first dungeon the first area or maybe by the second area you've you've kind of like you've seen all that all the games are really going to do aside from the some story sequences that's changed and stuff like that but like the actual gameplay itself is going to be exactly the same for however many hours you intend to play this game, and that it, it wears on you, because you don't ever really feel like you get new equipment and stuff like that. But like it doesn't really make enough of a difference to like you don't ever feel stronger because by the time you get new equipment, you're fighting more powerful versions, more powerful pallet swaps. So your damage kind of always stays the same. How fast you kill stuff kind of stays the same. You don't ever feel like you're like gaining any ground on anything. Yeah, exactly. The loot cycle is very not fun. Because when you play, like, another dungeon crawler, like, the whole point is, like, ooh, let me get this new weapon that's got these really awesome abilities, or, oh, look at this cool armor set, and it visually changes. Your weapon changes, your armor changes, and you get, you know, set bonuses, and all, you know, it's, it, and you get abilities to upgrade your abilities and upgrade and do that. Yeah. They, they, they do learn skills that you attach to how you hotkey your skills. Sometimes, and you, they don't level up. You get more powerful versions of the skills, yeah. usually kind of. You as kind you of, level up. But you're, like we say, what you're playing is like nine or anything like that. You, I mean, just it's just as fast just to mash on the attack button and kill something as to try to, you know, use one of your hotkeys to do it. And abilities can miss and stuff like that. You're just kind of like almost wasting time doing that. I know on the they want to add a little bit of a flashy flashy nature to things, but it's just un, unnecessary. Now, this, now, we're, now, we did play on easy, so maybe maybe some of this other stuff matters quite a bit more. On the higher difficulties, I'm not. I wasn't playing this on anything higher than easy. There's just no no point for us. No. Well, well I did forget to mention. Well, we, we, I think it's a good time because you have the you have abilities that you can hotkey, and then your weapon styles. But then everyone has a a guardian, mm-hmm. a big special that they can uncork on somebody. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think they dive enough into this guardian stuff. I guess this weird point where like you find. I think like, it does in the other versions. Maybe because you're like your guardian talks to you, yeah. But like Heraclitus, no, nobody else can see, they can see him, I guess, but they can't hear him talking. And they but say they, that theirs don't, that, 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 yeah. They say that their guardians don't talk, which is but you learn really late, really late in the game. Of well, I say late, like maybe the halfway point for us, which is technically late in the game, uh, for the first playthrough, but yeah, maybe, maybe it dives more into that. If there was just more, because say, so I say, we say you run these floors over and over, and you'll run each dungeon's three floors, and you'll run. You'll start a dungeon and you'll run through like two floors with no dialogue, no nothing. Get to a third floor, they'll talk at the beginning, and at the end you fight a boss, and that's and that's like three sentences of dialogue. Yeah. And you've ran three floors of varying degrees of size of these floors, and that's all you get. Sometimes the floors were so huge. I wish there was some sort of fast travel on the floor. Mm-hmm. Because some of them like, because you take you, you know branching paths like any dungeon crawler, you don't want to go the right way. You there's, want to go the wrong so, way and get dead ends and get treasure. That's that's the dungeon so, crawl. There's so much of running. I've spent so much time running in the right direction towards the ending that I didn't, I didn't know I was doing. It sort of marks it on your map. It shows you where the exit is. 
but it doesn't really tell you. Sometimes it's a roundabout way. It's not a straight path. Yeah, it's never it's never a straight path. And sometimes multiple things in the same direction or different directions will both lead to the end. But you need to go this other direction for like treasure and stuff like that. It's just not it's not very helpful when it comes to getting around and trying to get and trying to explore. And then and, and even on top of that, it's, the exploring is not fun because you're looking at the same stuff okay. over and over again. You're grabbing little. Sometimes you're grabbing treasures when you don't even know if you need them or not. It's mostly healing items and other and like um, fusion material fusion materials. You get costumes, uh, sort of. You say call it costumes. This is it's, it's Japanese, so you, you get to put bathing suit on these teenagers. Bathing suit. Well, one of them's not a teenager. Kuroko's a Kuroko's a, a full grown a, an adult, but like everybody else is teenagers. So like pure Japanese fashion, they all get instead of. I was hoping they get variants. Well, they do get all. They do they get color variants on their main costume, which are like armor costumes because they're ex- executor costumes. They get co- a color variant. Which you get really late in the game. Other than that, you get two color variants on these bathing suits, which you this is weird. And then uh, something else like a, I was hoping there'd be like most like 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 tales games. They give you like like joke co- outfits, something. joke outfits, or costumes from other anime other anime games and stuff like that. Like well, tales has a series, Cross Stars one game, but maybe the developer could have put costumes for their other games or something like that in there. That's what I mean. This is but this is just. Palette swaps and bathing suits, I and mean, this is unnecessary. And it didn't do anything. It, it's just visual stuff. I changed every time I went into a dungeon to cut down the monotony. But when you're, again, dungeon crawling, you want stuff to change. And the only thing that changed were your weapons. And was, I didn't notice them changing enough for it, was, it to It was a smile. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't waste more time on it. <laughs> Honestly, maybe this everything we're saying sounds appealing to somebody. People don't, you know people don't set out to make bad games. And it's not a bad game. It no. is put together well. Yeah, there's no... I didn't run, I didn't run into not a single glitch. Mm-mm. No glitches. No, nothing was broken. Nothing Nothing really, realistically seemed unfair. It's just monotonous. Exactly. And I was... I, was, I, we have, I beat it, and I was like, okay, uh... You might have read ahead, read ahead faster, sooner than <clears throat> I did, or something like that. I might have played one extra night than you, and then didn't know that... Well, I that? beat it, and said that it resets and played a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I think you played, f- you beat the game almost immediately as soon as you turned the game on, and you played further your night into like, into your second playthrough, and you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then we're like, all right, let's pause on playing and do some research and see exactly what happens. Because if we just have to beat it one more time, that's fine. I could do that. I'll spend another you know five hours on it, mm-hmm. but I'm not spending another exact Any- amount of time that I've already put on it. Yeah. No. Not worth I it. didn't make it over halfway through. I guess trophy wise, I got thirty one of fifty. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pull mine up, but yeah, I, I had to be around somewhere around the same as you. I, I don't really have much more to talk about. I do want to slightly dip into some of the voice acting and just kind of notate some of the um, some oh, cooler ones, just very quickly, very quickly, very quickly. <laughs> uh, Ray, our main character. Uh, I again, I'm, I like anime, but I'm not like a an anime file or a Weibo or any of that stuff. Weibo. But some of the cooler things that she has been in is she voices Rim from uh, Re Zero, and she's also the voice of Elaine from Seven Deadly Sins, which was Bond's uh, little elf girlfriend. Oh, really? That's her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thought that was kind of cool. She was voiced by uh, Brianna Knickerbocker. And then, uh, what's her face? Nanana, who's voiced by Kaylee Mills. 
uh, I bring her up because in one of the and she actually did voice work in the game we're about to talk about. Okay, cool. She was Cessna, one of the. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's weird because Nana's voice is kind of annoying, but Cessna's is actually pretty normal. It's kind of deep and serious. Yeah, she, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. The cool. the connection on those, and then Anamnesis. Uh, actually was voice work in another game we've talked about, uh, 13 Sentinels. She was Yuki Takamiya, the little gangster girl with the fighting gloves. She had the oh, long yeah. dress on. She was one of our favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. So That's she was cool, a voice, the same same uh, English voice actor, and that was uh, Laura Post. Very cool. Very cool. And then another one, uh, Mephis, who was voiced by Cassandra Lee Morris. She also did work in... 13 Sentinels, and she was Tomi Higaraki, the girl with the glasses and the braids. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of who ended up being real, but it was also a cyborg, but it was real within an android, depending on what timeline you were going. That, that game was fantastic. Anyway, that was a cool game. And one other random thing, while I looked in, I looked into everybody to like pull up cool things of note. Every single voice actor in this game has done work either in the anime or video game versions of Legends of Cold Steel. All of them. Some of them, most of them were reprising the role from the video game. I'm sure, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of voice actors get, get work in Cold Steel because Cold Steel has such a vast cast. Mm-hmm. And they and I think some of the re-releases of that game have had uh, increased the voice acting from the original versions. And there's so much, like they talk about there's so many lines of dialogue in the Cold Steel series that uh, I'm sure lots of folks are getting work from Cold Steel. I just thought it was cool that every single voice, every single voice mm-hmm. did work. Some of them only did like two things, and one of them was Cold Steel. Was Cold, Legends of Cold Steel. I just thought that was definitely worth bringing up. Mm-hmm. Cool. But past that, yeah, this I, was a good game fly game for us. Yes, we, we would we would honestly. I mean, I, 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 I said before on this podcast that when it comes to game fly, if it's not a sports game or like a weird war game or anything like that, anything looks even remotely like I mean Gamefly is so easy kind of like Game Pass you just like whatever you just put it on there you know whatever shows up at the Gamefly the only thing I wish about Gamefly is that what Gamefly is missing is a shuffle feature where you can just shuffle what's on your Gamefly and just have random stuff show up yeah something that's really even all these years later they're still missing like I don't want I don't care about the top game I want want, want a random game to come off that list but people like to cheat the system and only put one game on their stuff so yeah, I mean, they would have done it by now if they could. I imagine maybe I'll email a request in, but uh, I'd love a random feature. Uh, but yeah, it was just a random game on the GameFly that showed up. Uh, I say that, but the next one, the next one, next game for game is GameFly that I actually put higher up because we had played the uh, original version. I figured we we already were familiar with the game. Let's put it pretty high on the GameFly and go ahead and get a run through it. Because I don't want I don't there's no sense in it being buried, and I kind of want to get a, a run through it before the. Uh, remake part two comes out and stuff like that kind of we get a fresh a fresh take on this because we're wondering if any events in this game are going to carry over into the into this into the sequels so i mean i'm talking around what the game is blake can tell you what the game is the game we'll be talking about it's final fantasy 7 crisis core reunion It's not 
Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII reunion. Who knows what the, who knows what these Square Enix names? Okay, it is called Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII reunion. That is the actual name. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Yeah, it doesn't matter really though. I guess it matters to the creators. Anyway, this one has a lot of talk about it. The original version on PSP was developed, published and developed by Square Enix. Yeah. I've spoken about them on previous episodes, one of them being the Live Alive episode, mm-hmm. which which what led me to want to watch the Final Fantasy Spirit then for Action the Movie Podcast. But anyway, I did, I did some Square Enix stuff over there. So if you want to know more about that, you can go listen to that episode. Or just Google them lightly because Square Enix is one of the big publishers in the world. Yeah, they're massive in the JRPG world. Anything Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is about, about to come out. Exactly. So there's a lot of cool things going on there. But Reunion was developed by another company called TOS. T-O-S-E. And they've worked closely, very closely with... Well, not, well, I don't say specifically with Square Enix, but they've been working in video games for a very long time, 43 years. Mm-hmm. They established themselves in 1979. And so if there's a gaming console, they've made multiple games for that console. End of story. That's crazy. I have a company around that long, and I've never really heard of them. They've been under the, under the radar, kind of. They've made a bunch of games, uh, kind of like you know hits and there. They've done a lot of collaborative work and stuff like it's weird all the, the amount of stuff that are they, they are they owned they're owned by are they owned by square they're not owned by anybody they're private freelance yeah. and they're they're strictly freelance and collab but they've been working with square a bunch lately all the, all the re-releases and stuff not necessarily uh, more than anything like, i'm trying to explain work they've they did their own games for a long time and then around 2008 9 area they started uh doing port work Mm-hmm. A lot of port work, and a lot of that port work happened to be Foursquare. Yeah. Including basically every Final Fantasy from 1 through 6, all the ports, the Chrono Trigger, and for uh, Front Mission. And when I mean the Final Fantasy, I mean the Origins, as well as Dawn of Souls and stuff like that, the DS remakes and the PC remakes and so stuff like that. So they do the remakes and the ports? I think so, yeah. is what it sounded like. As well as uh, they did the Star Ocean First Departure and Second Evolution. They did those for the PSP as yeah. well as the ports of those. So, because I wonder if we get two. Because First Departure came to PlayStation Four, but Second Evolution didn't. I'm hoping that it will. Yeah. One of the other cool things they did for for me specifically, not necessarily for you, but they did the the full blown remake of Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions on the PSP. Oh, War of the Lions is their game? They did that one. Yeah, that had the, the enhanced... That's crazy. So, that's crazy work from them because a port and a, a remake like that are very different things. Like, well, you look so, at and, and, we'll, and we'll talk about this, for, this specifically reunion here. Uh, <clears> this is a... Re, to me, this is a remake. There's so much in this game that's like like visually... Like when, I, when, I, when it first came out, I, I get on Reddit and people were just like, Ooh, this is just this is just a, a, weak, a weak remaster. And I'm like... Uh, you need to go look at the PSP game again because this is not the same P. Under the hood, a lot of the stuff is a lot of the gameplay and stuff is, but visually, none of this stuff visually was possible on the uh, on the PSP. We're talking like they didn't just do character models. Like when you look at the backgrounds and the enemy designs and stuff like that. Like we'll get in, like we'll get into it. Try really quickly, but like, cause you get more about the company, I'm sure. But this is this is a 
and people don't call it, they call this like a, I don't know what they call this exactly, but this is a remake. This reunion, this is a remake of Crisis Core. I, that's how I, I mean, there's no way you call this a remaster because the game did not look like this. No, God, no, not by a long shot. This looks, immediately it, it had help because they were able to use some already pre-made environments from the 7 remake. Mm-hmm. Some stuff, I imagine, because there's, yeah, because you did, because there's some Midgar bits here, but I don't know if they even use these Midgar bits in the Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm not sure because you didn't. None of this seemed terribly familiar from the Seven Seven remake. But they they already had that, I guess maybe some of the character asset some, wise. some of the character models maybe. Well, some of these character models are younger and in different clothing. Yeah, but you could change. Yeah, but still, but they had to. Yeah. One, uh, but like I said, they if it's a game on a console, they made it. I'm not gonna. I the I'm not gonna go into their whole repertoire of everything they've done. I will mention two things. Well, four things. Four things. They actually uh, created, they co-developed Thousand Arms. Yeah, that's, a, that's an obscure thing. It's a very obscure thing. It, yeah. They, they co-developed Thousand Arms, and they co-developed uh, World of Final Fantasy, which was their f- like one mm-hmm. of their first forays into, and they loved it so much. And they was World of Final Fantasy pre-podcast. It might have been. Might have been. Yeah, we, we played World of Final Fantasy. We enjoyed it. It had a like a like a one point five a one point five version called Maxima, which we of course we, we didn't came out after after. The, after we played the freaking game. But the crown jewel that started it all for Tos, which is the I wanted to bring up this, is they are responsible for Game and Watch. Game and Watch, the original Game and Watch, and everything since then. Yeah, they are responsible for Game and Watch. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a busy company for a company that I don't think a lot of folks would know who they are. I mean, mm. maybe the, maybe the reunion will bring their name up to a little little more in the lime, limelight. The uh, the original Crisis Core went over very well. The original Crisis Core sold over two million copies worldwide. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's pretty bonkers for what it was. It's a story everybody's been waiting to hear forever. It serves as a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. And was actually part of uh, the ongoing meta series <laughs> that is called the completion of Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. and that includes short stories, books, uh, animated feature films, uh, as well as a plethora of games. Yeah, so many games. Uh, we have like it all, and it all started in two thousand and three with a movie called Advent Children. Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which was supposed to serve as a prequel, or not a prequel, as a sequel to Seven. Mm-hmm. And as it came out, people were like, "We love it! Give us more Seven! And they're like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! They we gotta we gotta hit this while the iron's hot." And they're still hitting it twenty years later. <laughs> still hitting this iron. Still hitting this iron. Yeah. But it goes. It, I'm, I'm going to bring up a couple of the different things. We're not going to talk about it. But I just want to bring them up and have there's knowledge. We have seven, and there is a mobile-only game that is yet to come to America. It's the only thing before, so far that before hasn't. Crisis. Yeah, before Crisis, mm-hmm. where you play as uh, these group of people, which we'll dip into a second, called Turks, mm-hmm. and they work for the company Shinra. We'll get to that in a moment. That is the only thing that has not been translated and released to Western audiences. It's crazy. I feel like now is the time between this and then. There's got to be on the horizon a remake. You're, you're about to say it, but uh. 
dirge of Cerberus. Like, mm-hmm. like now is the time for like Dude. before crisis and dirge to come out again. Like if you want to like keep striking this iron right before, right before this next final fantasy seven part two, whatever they're going to call it. It has, it has a name now, but, uh, anyway, cause, uh, we have before crisis, which came out in Oh four and it serves as a prequel yeah, mobile device, mobile phones, only. mobile phone only. And then we have crisis core, which was supposed to be just a, a remake of Before Crisis for the PSP is supposed to mm-hmm. be that. It turned into its own thing. But because of the the directors, which are... Let me find them again. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura and Takashi Asano. Yeah. They wanted to focus the story on Zack. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, a char- is a... He's a side character, but he's a very important side character in the history of Final Fantasy that you don't really... No, unless you've really dug deep yeah. into the mythos he's, of seven. He's, he's mentioned here and there in the in in the original game, and some and sometimes in hidden scenes and stuff. And like scenes that. that you have to work to get to. Yeah. Anyway, because of they wanted it to be about him, because they're like eh, they're like yeah, we have you, you, we have this kind of base gameplay, but we want him to be moved to the front line. And they go, they they said, give us a pitch. We, we'll give you a you know two weeks to give us a pitch of what you think his story would be. And if we like it, we'll go in your direction instead of porting and remaking this. And they go, okay, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. They did it. And they go, all right, go for it. Here's, you know, here's your budget. Here's this. Let's see what we can do. And so crisis core became its own whole thing. It's starring around, uh, Zach. And then eventually we'll get to, like you just said, the Dirge of Cerberus, which is a, a sequel to Advent Children. It takes place after Advent Children. Yeah, apparently, we're not going to get into all that mess. Yeah, we got to so, fo- focus on Crisis Core. Yeah, so there's a whole, it's an ongoing, <clears throat> you know, crazy, crazy yeah, thing. Including the Final Fantasy VII remake, I bel- which came out, what two, what, two, three years ago now? Which sounds crazy, that finally came out. And then now the part two of that, that they named it in a, in a, in a trailer a little while back when they were talking about when they announced that they announced the Crisis Crisis Core remake, and then that I think in the same, almost in the same event, all this all this circling around all this Final Fantasy VII stuff. And it's crazy to think about one game can spawn so much because they haven't really done this with any other any of any of the other Final Fantasies. Like ten has like one little sequel, uh, twelve has a, a a DS sequel kind of a pseudo sequel on the DS, but like nothing has spawned. Nothing else besides seven has spawned like a whole this. a whole universe around it. That kind of you have thirteen and that whole thirteen, the 13 yeah, all trilogy. three of so all three of those which don't have anywhere near the impact that seven has yeah. had. You know, it's just, it's crazy that one game could have such an impact on on an industry and still have it a staying power. Like my favorite of the whole thing is my. I mean, I'm. It sounds like stupid, but I'm still. I still like the original game. You know, I, oh, I yeah. still play. You know, once every couple of years, I'll play. I'll just play through the original game again. I'd be like, "Yeah, let's go and let's have time." Because I was playing, even playing through Crisis Core, I was like, "This is cool," but I'd kind of like, kind of just want to play the original again. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. They they do have it, it is completely voice acted, and they had to get new voice actors. I wonder if they're different because, like, this game has the original CGI cutscenes, as far as I can tell. And then redone remake cutscenes, but I want it. Sometimes it sounds like a different voice actor in like the old cutscenes. 
as far as I could tell, they as re- far as I all the voices, IMDb and behind the voice actor, it's uh, these new people are the new voice actors. They didn't okay. use any of the old ones. Yeah, he sounds. He sounds now, some of, of them reprised. Yeah, but I know m- most of main, them was... namely people talk about right now is they did recast Zach, which yeah. is the lead for the game. So, and, uh, and there's I, a lot of voicing, like, and some people who were from of the the remake you get to meet um you get to meet some of the characters from the remake in the game as younger versions of themselves yeah. and those voice actors reprise their, reprise roles. their roles as well as the turks a few of the turks and then you have like i'll, I'll kind of spoil it through his? uh yes okay. i do want to talk about him specifically here in a little while yeah. but you get to meet some of the old you get to meet tifa and cloud and Aerith, just younger versions of them yeah but it's like smaller exactly i'm not going to dive like, into them you see you cloud, get to cloud you see cloud for a couple of scenes like you you run into tifa for like a scene exactly yeah. and same thing for Aerith. well she gets a lot more yes yeah. her whole her relationship with zach is, is it's a whole it's important, important, important thing. thing yeah uh, we'll, I'll, I'll dive in. We'll dive into like the game mechanics and i'll talk about the voice actors here in a little bit so i can explain yeah. some of the other characters yeah um I mean, it just—it's just—it's action combat. They yeah. wanted the combat to be closer to that of the Seven remake. Mm-hmm. It's much more to the point. Um, in the PSP game, because one of the core mechanics is a slot machine roulette thing called DMW, the Digital Mind Wave. Yeah, I hate this. And it makes—I see why they wanted to do it, but it's—it's. It randomizes certain combat things, and you get certain benefits. Like, ooh, you are immune to physical damage, immune to magic damage. Ooh, you have infinite MP, you have infinite AP, which is AP, which is something that none of the other Final Fantasies ever had. But that's whatever. It's like your well, stamina. AP was just what level. AP was what leveled up your materia in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it wasn't used as like a MP stat. It was like just a number of AP. It was like it was like materia experience. Because you have MP for magic, all your magic things, and then you have AP action points for all your physical things. Because you do physical deal skill. with materia, mm-hmm. all the colors of materia that you love from seven. You got your summon materia, you got your magic materia, you got your stat boosting materia. Well, uh, magic summon materia, you say it, but it, it's uh, it's only it's like it's like up in the up in D- the DMW D- DMW thing. But you yeah. still have to unlock it. Yeah, and but the only problem is they put. Everything, if including your ability to level up, yeah. is entirely random and based on a roulette wheel. Yeah, and so that kind of sucks. Though the game does tell you that the experience in the game is a hidden stat, hidden, a hidden, hidden bar, and so technically it's not random. But you never, it's also kind of because you never know how close you are or aren't to a level up. Mm-hmm. It just kind of ting, here's your level up. But there's ways, there's I, ways to push it. Like when I was reading about leveling up or trying to level up, is that like you have to be like have enough experience hitting you at the same time as the roulette wheel, and that experience will push the roulette wheel towards a level up, but only in the so if you're killing things fast and then the combat's ending too fast for the wheel to stop spinning, you never level up. Like, but you have to get like. They talk about these. There's these bigger fights that we, me and Blake never, never bothered getting to because we decided just to beat the game. Because we'll talk about missions here in a minute. There's these missions you can fight where you fight tons of enemies, and that's supposed to push the roulette wheel into level ups more than any any other part of the game because you're in constant combat. But yeah, it's just like there's there's no reason for level ups to be on the roulette wheel. 
But the so it's un, it's unnecessary. One of the prominent things is I feel, I don't know which director I don't know if it may have been both of them. It just says well it said the directors so it may have been both of them Tetsuya Nomura and Takashi Asano due to their enjoyment of pachinko machines is God. just why they they put this in the game because they thought other people would enjoy it too and supposedly it was also to keep combat and the game from being as monotonous and it kind of gave it a a chance thing to keep you guessing at what would happen which is kind of annoying but at the same time you just uh, said it uh, missions the game itself is relatively short you can plow through the main story in between 10 and 12 hours easy mm-hmm. if you're just plowing through the story and because Zack Zack Fair is a he's a soldier for Shinra and if you have know anything about Final Fantasy VII, you know what that is. He's a second-class soldier, and as the game progresses, he actually becomes a first-class soldier. Mm-hmm. And these missions are his soldier missions. So soldier all, jobs. Yeah. Soldier jobs. So it all technically makes sense. He's a you know he's given a, a job board to go do this, go kill this monster. Mm-hmm. It all basically narrow comes down to go kill this monster, even if the objective is. Go collect this. Go collect that. Yeah, you're you're going to collect it after you kill the monster. Yeah, soldiers are always fighting. <clears throat> soldiers are always fighting something. And it it, it does do some world building because mm-hmm. you get contracts from the Turks. You get into essentially monster killing competitions with um, other members of Shinra. Other 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 departments. departments of Shinra, like the scientists or security and their security teams, and they're trying to prove that they're better than you. And we don't need soldier, and it's all. You know, pretty cool world building for some of them. And then you even get to meet, because this also is more prominent, which they've talked about in in the 7 remake, is uh, Wutai, mm-hmm. which is a huge adversary in, in the world against Shinra. And you start with like going going to Wutai and this huge war, and you're helping it over. You also get to encounter another character who... You didn't meet in the remake, but they got their own addition to the remake, Intergrade, where you get to meet Yuffie. Yeah, <clears throat> we haven't played Intergrade yet. We're probably gonna, we'll probably play. We're planning on maybe playing the Seven Remake Intergrade version before the new one comes out at some point. Before too long. Yeah. And, and the cool thing too is not just a look at all this cool old stuff that we have. You, you know, it's a trip down memory lane. They do. I'm sure, some of that's the idea though. Some of that is the idea, but they have gone out of their way to create brand new characters that have never existed before. Because I wanted to talk about. Sorry, are you going? To, are you going towards a certain character? I'm, well, I was going to kind of introduce them. Um, I, I, I want to ask. I want to talk about Cisne because Cisne is somebody who seems very important in this, who doesn't exist past this game. But I don't really spoil like she doesn't die in this game. She just she just doesn't exist past this game, and I was like. The Turks are in seven. The Turks are in the remake. The Turks are everywhere. There's a different now in Final Fantasy VII, the original game. There's a different female Turk there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious of I, I don't know if everyone. I want to like if the Final Fantasy VII remake part two is going to address where Cisne is. You know, because you see that you see the other Turks again. You see the regular Turk, the ones we're familiar with, yeah. are in the seven remake. You fight them a couple of times. But where's Cisne at? Why invent a character? Now I understand inventing a, inventing a character in a prequel and then killing her is one thing, but she doesn't die. Well, I think I think they're going to reintroduce her. Yes, because one one of the things that I read 
it's not only did you know crisis not only will crisis core be uh, you know be a cash cow. it's it's so like this version has sold like over a million copies mm-hmm. worldwide and so they're like well it's going to be you know it's going to bring in more influx and it'll, it'll boost the sales for for seven for the remake and all that stuff but they said they they wanted to expand on Zach even more so now mm-hmm. and they're like without spoiling anything we want to expand on Zach's story a little more due to his uh, more prominent nature upcoming. Yeah, I was wondering this. Now, we've played it, and we'll be, we'll be a little bit of spoil here. I was wondering, because Crisis, this is a Crisis Core remake, if they would add additional scenes to this. I don't think they did. And they didn't. They didn't. As far as, far, there's nothing here that uh, that seemed out of place or new. I was hoping, I was wondering, if, if, like, are they going to change? Because people were, the talk of the town is part two of Final Fantasy VII is going to change things. Yeah. But there wasn't anything. There wasn't anything extra. Now maybe there's something hidden in the game somewhere because we didn't dig too deep into it. Cause we got kind of the missions kind of wore us out, and we kind of kind of focus on the main story and wrapping up the main story is kind of where we ended up focusing. But because the mission- I, didn't, I didn't see anything new that would be changing things for towards the remake. Now this was probably their chance to do that, but maybe maybe they have like additional budgeting costs to like inventing new content to put into the game to tie to their upcoming remake could be pricey I'm sure but like they still they had to spend some money on this remake anyway I I did find out why because there is an an OAV that was only available in like like a limited edition of a of I think Dirge Cerberus like it was only available on the limited edition Dirge Cerberus like an anime Mm -hmm. there's an OAV called Last Order and it was like 30 minutes, and it was uh, Zach and Nibelheim with Sephiroth. It was, it was Something new there? We've, we've seen that scene so many times now. The OAV, The Last Order, changed things. They, they, they added in some stuff that changed. They, they like, like, if that's real, then that changes this whole thing. Is that canon, though? People lashed out against it horribly. Like, that's wrong, this is wrong. And they're like... And so because of the amount of backlash towards that particular OAV called Last Order... That you struck it from existence. <laughs> when they made this game, they're like, "We're gonna add some things, but we're not. It, but what we add will not change what has already happened, due to Zach's fate being predetermined." Mm-hmm. What they did in Last Order was like, "If that's true, then how? How this doesn't make sense?" Mm-hmm. So they they added in stuff that would not actually change. So the there outcome. is new stuff in this remake. No, no, no. I mean, I'm talking about Crisis Core. As a whole, they didn't add any. Toze didn't add anything to Crisis Core that didn't already exist. So did Crisis Core come out after Dirge of Cerberus? Yes, that's right. Because Dirge was a PS2 game, mm-hmm. but PSP came out way after PS2 or PS2. around the same time. Yeah. So okay, yeah, that's right. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know originally Crisis Core came out after Dirge. Oh, I'm originally. They, 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 they came out really close. Really together. close around, like, around Advent Children. Yeah. Okay. But this came out after Advent Children and having established certain things. And then that also led them to come out with the Advent Children Complete. Now, if you have Advent Children Complete, you can. That's the only other way to watch The Last Order. We we never watched it. It's in in the special features. It's like 20 or 30 minutes. There's no point now. They're trying to make it. Yeah, because they they wish watching it. Yeah, but they they learned from Last Order and they they added stuff. But they didn't change anything. Yeah. So we get introduced. We get introduced to two. <laughs> the Crisis Court its own episode. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> we get introduced to Angeal Hewley yeah. and Genesis Rap- Rhapsodos. Yeah. I didn't like, right up the front, I didn't like either one of these characters. They were really mad. don't really don't care. I don't give two craps about Genesis. Don't care about him at all. Angeal, all he manages to do is give you a little bit of an origin story to the Buster Sword, but it's not so much that it. Yeah, that it really. I mean, people. It was like it was put in there just to give you a small origin to because everybody wants to know where the Buster Sword came from. It gives you a little bit of an origin to where the sword come from, which that's that's better. That origin the origin for that sword is better than anything else Angeal does. Yeah. Angel is more of like a mentor to Zach, which is important, I guess, and te- kind of teaches Zach his uh, honor and stuff like yeah, that. So that's all dignity. important, but like in the in the whole scheme, and I mean, he's more important than Genesis. Now, Genesis is like the bad guy for most of the game, and a little bit of, not a, even a, a little bit of Sephiroth, you know, a little bit. Of, well, you don't really even mess with Sephiroth that much, because weirdly yeah. enough, about Crisis Core, we'll we'll talk about all this. We've got time, but. Uh, you see Sephiroth before he was a bad guy in this, which is probably, it's cool to see Zack, but it's also cooler in some instances to see Sephiroth before he was nuts. As a person who cares about his friends, and who a, cracks jokes. a famous hero. Now you hear about, I think in 7 originally, you do hear about the famous Sephiroth being a hero in Final Fantasy VII, the, the original game, but you don't ever, you know, there's no scenes of that. Mm. So... You get a lot of that in this, but anyway, back to and the beginning of his uh, downward spiral. Yeah, which some of those scenes are these are like redone scenes of the scenes you see in Final Fantasy. It's cool seeing the new graphics and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which kind of spoils it in the remake of the remake. But uh, uh, but back like you said, I don't know what you want to say about Angel and Genesis. I don't think I'm hoping they don't find a way to bring them back around. I don't want to. I don't want to see more of Genesis and Angel. I've had I've had my feel with them. Mostly because Genesis just speaks in gibberish and it's an, it's an, it's obnoxious. Yeah, I oh, I, I brain work. I did want to bring this up too. Uh, I didn't talk about him, uh, but Angel's voice actor, his name's uh, Bill Millsap, mm-hmm. and he has he's a you know, all of, all of these people have kind of really small rosters. Like they're mm-hmm. they're new to the game. He. Has some kind of cool things. He was he also has done voice work in Seven Deadly Sins as uh, Tarmiel. He's one of the archangels of the yeah. one. Uh, he does. Uh, he didn't say which one. Just said he did voice work for Demon Souls, the remake. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. He's got stuff coming up in that Juji Junji Ito Netflix thing. He was doing some English voice work for that. But he's also we didn't talk about it, but for Sin and Crystar. The reason that she is in purgatory, because her going backwards, yeah, but it was because her father is a lawyer, and he put away a serial killer, and that serial killer spirit came and was killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the voice work for that serial killer. How'd you not mention that back when we're talking about Christ? <laughs> because eh, we we didn't go into all the all the each character's backstories. Yeah, it's connected stuff. to the two games, though. Yeah, but I didn't have him wrote down there with her. I had him wrote over here with Crisis Core because he was more prominent over here. But yeah, he's the main character in Crisis. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, your feelings towards Genesis and Angel? I get why they were there. Because mm-hmm. they're they're like Sephiroth's friends. Yeah. His legit friends. They're other, they're like, God, they're, they're other heroes. Like, they're other, like, 
first class soldiers. Like there's no one else like them in the world. Mm-hmm. And they do this really awesome thing for those who are, there's a, a hollow deck, Star Trek style. There's a hollow deck where all three of them are hanging out. They're yeah, just kind of like talking to one another. And they happen to be for Final Fantasy fans. They're on the sister Ray, which is a massive cannon, massive cannon that Final Fantasy VII people are familiar with. And there's this gorgeously done cutscene just to show, prove how powerful these three individuals are. Mm-hmm. And Well, it does the thing where it shows how powerful them three are, but it also goes to show that even then, Sephiroth is a step above them. Oh, God, yeah. He manhandles them. Yeah. He fights two on one of these first class, and he doesn't even one-handed, mind you, Holding his sword because they're never going to show anything where Sephiroth is weak. It will never happen in, in the no. Final Fantasy VII franchise. But it does show you that like Angel and Genesis are no slouches, but Sephiroth holds them off and you know combats them with one handed. I mean, because it does that thing where and they're sparring. They're they're all they're all friends. They're all making jokes. Yeah. And they're all sparring. And Angel is taking it as a sparring match. He's like, okay, ha, 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 let's, you know, ha, ha. He's the one that seems like, well, Angel, yeah, Angel's, Angel's more, more, more lax, yeah. But Genesis takes it a step further. Like, he's going, he's going out. Because he wants to be better than Sephiroth. He wants to take the number one spot. Yeah. And he starts going a little harder than he needs to. Like, slinging fireballs, casting magic, mm-hmm. doing some crazy stuff. And still, Sephiroth is like, oh. We want to get serious. <laughs> okay. He says something like that. It's like, oh, he's like, oh, it's like, oh, oh, oh we're trying today or something. He says something yeah, I think I think that's exactly what I think. He's like, oh, so we're trying today. Yeah. And, and he still doesn't push himself. I love my favorite part is the, the, the main part of the scene is where they cut the cannon. Oh, yeah. And it, all you get is that scene. They're looking at Sephiroth as, as the cannon's falling. He's just sitting there with his hair blowing in the wind. You see his face as the cannon falls down. I love that scene. Well, he cuts it, and then Angel, uh, or Genesis is, is standing on the thing, and he falls down, and he jumps. It was, it's, it's, all, it's an amazing cutscene. The CGI's in the game are all awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's the original CGI from the PSP, because why, why remake those? They're such high quality yeah, anyway. Yeah, they went out of their way. Yeah. But that's a, it's a great scene where you see Sephiroth fight, fight two dudes. Of it, it just goes to show you. I always think it's funny in a, when, when you play the original Final Fantasy VII I always find it find it strange that most of that game, when you're dealing with Sephiroth, he's clearly better than your entire team, and then miraculously, I'm, that's only one of my only problems with Final Fantasy VII is like all of a sudden at the last boss of Final Fantasy VII, you can kind of you can beat him now, but throughout the entire game, you're not there's nobody in your party who has any special. Well, there was one. <laughs> yeah, but there's nobody there's nobody in your party that has any special ability that puts them on any kind of any kind of table with Sephiroth. He's just always on his own. Now that's weird writing for a, a bad guy, I guess. It's like, really, he's more powerful than everybody. I get the writing, but there's never anything in the whole game. Like, you don't go find a mystic item that makes you stronger in Final Fantasy VII. All of a sudden, you can just, no, you just climb down the meteor crater and you just fight him, and this this time you win. I, 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 that kind of, the one, well, there's other plot holes and stuff, but that's the thing. That's what, and as you see in this, there there is nobody in existence that lives... Because Angel and Genesis are the number two s- slot, yeah. and they don't stand any kind of chance. Sephiroth doesn't break a sweat. He doesn't struggle. He doesn't do anything. He just kind of like twing, 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 knocks them away and handles them. He doesn't struggle ever. So it's it's it's, it's interesting to see. And he always, 
And a lot of that square being like, yeah, there's nobody ever in our franchise that's going to be, and no, there's nobody that can ever, they can never make anybody more badass than Sephiroth. And we've spoken about them bunch and how gorgeous and, and everything is. Um, real quick, the voice actor for Genesis is a gentleman named Sean Condy. And he, again, very new to the voice acting game. The only thing of any note that I could find that wasn't just like background voice or a character that only had like appeared in one episode. Mm-hmm. As he's a voice of one of the main characters, uh, Sheba, from the remake of The World Ends With You, Neo, The World Ends With You. So he does voice work for that port remake. Uh, Neo is the sequel. Was the sequel? I thought it was like the remake. Because I know they did a remake. Remake that everybody talks about. It's kind of wonky on the mm-hmm. Switch. Uh, I've been kind of wanting to get my hands on the DS version, but a whole other thing. And now Sephiroth, this is actually kind of cool because this actor has gotten even bigger. Oh, really? His name is uh, Tyler Hochlin. I may be mispronouncing that last name, but... For a, a while there, he was just the hot shirtless guy. Oh, really? He, his big thing, and it's still prominent because they're actually making a movie after about the show that the show has already ended, but he is a prominent role in the Teen Wolf MTV, Teen Wolf show. Yeah. When he plays um, Seattle. Derek Hale. Yeah. He's 63 episodes of that, yeah. plus the movie. See, I don't judge folks. People did that stuff with like... Our uh, pats with yeah yeah it's like I'm I mean, we're adults now so we're kind of past it like I don't care if you did this goofy Teen Wolf show which people say is a good show yeah, actually a lot of people say it's really good that doesn't that to me that doesn't take if the show's goofy that doesn't take away from uh, quality of voice acting he can produce as playing a prominent character like Sephir- like you don't you don't I don't know how do you explain that like Sephiroth sounds good yeah he's like, fine he yeah doesn't... when you hear him talk you're like this is a Sephiroth voice this is fine he's kind of calm cool and collected. And like it sound, he sounds good. He sounds like a I'm, cu- I'm curious about the descent into madness. I'm sure, I'm wondering how that will go because I think, yeah, weirdly enough, even in even in this, even in Crisis Core, when he kind of starts descending a bit, he still sounds like he's calm, cool, and collectively descending into madness. But, yeah. but he's like learning about his origins and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's I mean, it's it's interesting to find something like that. You wouldn't you would never connect those two things together. But like, there's be, be, a, there's another big prominent thing that he is a part of now. Not really. Um, recently, and I mean, well, I say recently, I think the show he got is sometimes you say recently and it's 10 years ago. uh, I think it was, I think it's like five or six years ago. Um, basically the last five or six years he has been, he was part of the Arrowverse. Well, it wasn't the Arrowverse until something happened and the worlds combined anyway, but he is Clark Kent Superman. Is he the, the Supergirl version? Supergirl version and Arrowverse version. And he's in the Clark and Lois TV show. So, so he is the super- same actor is the greatest American hero and the most evil Final Fantasy villain of all time. Yes. The most famous. People most famous. want to argue if he's the most bad, but he's the most yeah. famous. Evil? Eh. Kefka blew the world up. Kefka won. Yeah. So we'll, well argue that. And Sephiroth isn't... But Kefka doesn't have his own theme that has Latin and a choir that sings his own name. Yeah. So, so. Kefka may have won. Sephiroth still has a more badass presence. He's not a he's not the Joker with magic powers. Yeah. But yeah, he is Superman. That's funny. Superman, Superman and Sephiroth. And Sephiroth. <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. Which is funny, yeah. Which is kind of funny because technically he is still a superpowered alien being. 
Anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool and definitely worth bringing up specifically for him. Really cool. And, and then and he's the he's the current he is current the voice actor for Sephiroth for the remake Crisis Core and the next game. And he's also did the voice work uh, for him in uh, Smash, Smash, yeah, stuff like that. So anything found in, in that one. He's um, just Sephiroth now. In that mobile game, First Soldier or whatever yeah, it was they got, called, I got, canned they got already. canceled. He was that, and then a couple other things. Well, I forgot to mention the First Soldier in, in the scheme of Final Fantasy. Yeah. They did a battle royale that they recently shut down, which I heard was really good. It was on phones. You kill a game by leaving it on phones. I, I tried it out. It was. Oh, you did play I it? I did play it, but it was uh, just on the phone. Like, give me a controller and we play on a big screen. Well, apparently you can connect a controller. I mean, it's, you know, no matter, the game's mm. dead. Yeah. I would have played it if they pushed it to, like, the consoles. I yeah. would have I played I don't play Battle Royale, but I would have played that one. Doesn't matter. It's dead. But Sephiroth is in it, apparently. He voices some lines in there, mm-hmm. I guess. Since, who since, knows so what. Zach and all of them. Yeah, who's no, who knows what kind of Zach's in it, too? So mm-hmm. I wonder what story, storylines that kind of had in it. It's all before. Before, before Crisis Core kind of stuff. Yeah, type situation. So, so, so a younger Zach, maybe. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll never know because the game got canned. Uh, I spoke about everyone else's voice actors, but I haven't spoken about Zach's. His name's uh, Caleb Price, mm-hmm. and this is the only thing he's done voice work in. Yeah. His only voice uh, actor thing he got was Zach so far. Uh, and he's the new voice actor for Zach. Mm-hmm. Not because uh, I don't remember the old voice actor. It's been too long since we played the PSP game. I'll say in the first couple hours, he's annoying. He gets better. Well, he, he that, that that character is he's playing as a a young buck, for yeah. lack of a better term. He's just young, hyper and full of energy. And as he goes on, life hits him hard, and he sobers yeah. up and sombers up. And he, yeah. I will say, like he does start. No, 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 that's not the voice actor's fault. Maybe that is. Maybe you're right. Like the character, like Zach, is kind of annoying when you first meet him. He's high energy. He's his favorite thing to do is. Just squats. standing squats just because it helps him listen do something gets his energy so he, so he does kind of grow on you a little more yeah I, I kind of hear that now where he's more annoying at first and kind of settles into it that's his first job yeah besides being like a from a small hick town and a farmer his only other thing he's done was that in Gungaga which is his hometown and then now he's a soldier that's all he's ever done oh you're talking about the the voice actor no, 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 I'm talking about Zach. Zach himself. Zach. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I thought you were saying the, the voice actor was from a small hick town. I was like, how do you possibly know that? That's a weird connection. Yeah, we went to Zach. school together, and I totally know things on the inside, and I wish. But I was talking about Zach. Now, we beat the story. Yeah. We beat the story. Beating the story for the Crisis Core is, like I said, between 10 and 15 hours, if you're just kind of, like, doing it. There is a massive amount of... Of side missions, yeah. Over there's three hundred side missions. Yeah, we quit doing them. Because if you're playing the game on easy, as me and Drew do, there's no point. And you can you can rig the system, and you can get all these. You can because you can fuse materia and get stat boost, and basically get like ooh nine hundred ninety nine percent to your health, which you don't really need because your health only goes up to nine thousand one hundred ninety nine anyway. But yeah. you can do all these the same things for you can game, break the game mm-hmm. with the, the fusions and upgrading your material, but it's not necessary un- to beat the man unless game. you're un- unless you're trying to dig deep into the missions. Unless you're trying to do all three hundred missions or beat the game on hard mode, yeah, which, which we is we wouldn't bother. Which is funny because the Japan PSP version didn't have a hard mode when it got ported to America on the PSP, uh, we got a hard version. And so for the first time when this was released in Japan, Japan got the ability to play. Um, Just weird because they usually like hard stuff more than we do. Yeah. But we're babies. Without spoiling the story for people, 
Because like I said, we've already kind of dipped and dived and dodged all around in there about certain things. It's it's funny to think of people. I ain't gonna say what happens. It's funny to think there's still people around now that will maybe play Crisis Core first and not know how the ending of what Crisis Core. Because there's a whole point. You know, if you play seven first, you know the point of Crisis. Well, well, the ending of Crisis Core is what's re- is what's more relevant than anything else. Is what's what ties it. It's what ties it in the cloud. It's funny there'd be pe- people these days. I know there's plenty of folks because you see them. I see them read all the time. People asking, "Should I play?" I never played Final Fantasy VII before. Should I play Final Fantasy VII the old one or should I play the remake? And now they're now, but this is before, now there's Christ now Crisis Core reunion exists and they're just like, it's weird. Those folks would play it for the first time even now, like twenty twenty five years later, that don't know how this ends. It's like somebody watching. I hate to do the reference, but like people that talk about like Star Wars now wouldn't know the Darth Vader thing. It's like weird. There's still fo- younger folks would watch Star Wars now that might not know the, yeah. the that, that particular plot twist. But their first Star Wars is the new ones. Oh, God. You know. <laughs> but, uh... No, who's Palpatine? Kid, shut up. I'll, yeah, I'll, but those, I'll but return yeah. you. But knowing, knowing Zach's stories is fairly important. It's more important than people realize sometimes and that Crisis Core kind of lets you know because Zach does, I mean, you, obviously Zach meets Cloud. Like, there's not, there's a point. Like, uh, there's a couple of whole back half of the game, not back half, maybe back quarter of the game is Zach with Cloud. The final chapter. The yeah. final chapters are with Cloud, so you do know that though Zach isn't mentioned so much in the original game until deep, deep in the game, you kind of, you're kind of learning about Cloud's history and who Cloud is and why he is the way he is. You, you get a, you get a big pieces of that now. You know, it's kind of cool because you do see. A lot of the back end of this too is seeing scenes from Final Fantasy VII in new graphics and voice the, acting, and they the redo whole and yeah, and they and they, and they redo whole scenes as you've seen before. It's so weird because sometimes when I was playing this this version of it, it was doing like I think of like the big one was Sephiroth in the library where he's just like he's walking and he fades away and appears over here and he's in the books and he fades away and he appears. It was a it was like a, a time it, skip. It yeah. was a time skip thing. But I, my memory of my memory of this is that same scene in PlayStation One graphics of Sephiroth oh, yeah. walking around the library and disappearing. And you're like, but you see it in these new graphics. You're like, this is really. I mean, this is cool. You know, and you see oh, yeah. it's just those it's the scenes they do that are exact copies. They literally do a scene for scene copy of that there's a famous Sephiroth of Sephiroth and fire scene I think it looked like they used the original cutscene from Final Fantasy 7 oh yeah of Sephiroth in the fire where he looks he looks and he turns away from the fire and walks away that looked like maybe upscale but it looked like kind of like the original version yeah. of that scene you know so you're just like man this is really cool but seeing stuff that's like embedded in my brain in one version seeing it in a new version this is nostalgia and I talk about nostalgia being bad sometimes but when they're doing I can't defend this. Nostalgia is bad a lot of the times and some of this, but this is just what nostalgia, when it works for the good, I guess. It's just cool to see this stuff. You're like, this is what I thought it looked like then. <laughs> yeah. It's, there, there's a lot of videos, a lot of videos talking about what, what you think, what you, what you thought something looked like, how it looks like now. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's cool to see that, that kind of stuff. These scenes don't make this game. Like I didn't, Necessarily, I'll sit on the back and we usually wrap this. I didn't really enjoy playing this game too much. Like the action combat's very repetitive. The mission we talked about the missions. I did. You get a percentage on your missions. I, I stopped around thirty percent of the missions. I when I realized I was spending entire nights doing missions and not getting anywhere in the story, I was like, I gotta stop. I gotta stop doing this. And I, I switched over to story focused, and, and me and Wake both just ran through. Did you stop around thirty percent or so? 
do you play further than me? Yeah. Oh God. Because I, sometimes it was on a Saturday and I woke you up. Wake up, did a bunch of missions. Uh, I, I didn't hit the fifty-five percent mark, but I hit over fifty. I was over fifty. God, you didn't tell me that. I was That's over. So I was much. over fifty percent. I, I was wiped at thirty because I was also semi-cheating. Because mm. some of the missions, um, there are s- sort of random battles in these missions. But I found that they were triggered by like walking through the middle of the room. So I would literally ride the wall mm-hmm. and skip fights or get into a fight and run away from the fight mm-hmm. and make it all the way to the boss and just uncork all my MP and all my AP on the boss and kill it. Or sometimes I would get lucky and get a limit break or get a summon or had one. I didn't, I didn't expect to win the fight. I was hitting him. And I was like, this is not going, his, his health bar is not going down. I can't win this fight. And I ended up getting a, uh, immune to physical damage for like 30 seconds or something. And I was like, yeah. And I just uncorked on him and I ended up winning the fight. I, I did yeah. a lot more stuff than I should. I, I struggled and refought things and like reconfigured my uh, equipment and materia to specifically for this fight one fight. That you shouldn't be fighting. I shouldn't be fighting yet. But I was like, after a while, I was like, this is Did you get work. any lucky Odin summons? I, I got one in the entire game. Oh, like, yeah. I got one, I got one gen- genuinely like a fight that I probably couldn't have won fight with those bosses because they're not really bosses so Odin works on things that aren't bosses it work, he works on anything well I got him during like a Genesis fight and oh, nothing, yeah. nothing happens a story fight nothing happens people don't you should know who Odin is he's the kind of the guy with the big sword who comes through and, and in any all Final Fantasies he comes through and he does a, a cool video and a slash and everything and the screen dies uh, he's in this as well he's in every Final Fantasy as far as I know for probably some he's not in but uh, yeah, you get him. You get him in here too. And he, for, for me, it happened happened one time on one of the bigger things, one of those big ogre things. I think I was like, I don't know if I can kill this freaking thing. And I got Odin. I was like, oh cool. And it died, and I won the fight. But I had him come in a couple of times. I actually had him come in on my second, the stronger version of Bahumut Zero. No, oh, yeah. He came in, and I, I was I was like, I'm not gonna win this fight. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, was, that's not zero. Zero's not in this. Terra, Terra, Bahumut. Um, X Bahumut, the Maybe. bigger one. Yeah, the big. But I think it had a different name, but not, yeah. not important. But yeah, I got him on that. I got him a couple of times, like more than I thought. Should I got I him a couple of times on regular enemies, which is just it's funny, but not as entertaining. One time on a big enemy, and one time on a story boss, which I thought sometimes when you do Odin in, in other games, he's always he'll change his he'll do uh, he'll do a different well one game he did a different attack instead of Zatzukin, which is the is that Final Fantasy VIII where he changed it maybe no seven because no. he does the Gungnir spear. You have, you have a, you I mean, have, that does damage instead. So he don't do that in this. This he just does it. And looked, to me, it looked like nothing happened. So I was like, oh, whatever. You tried. Anyway, not important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the missions are too much. I mean, I liked... Uh, Some of them. I liked, to me, this was for the the combat and the gameplay weren't that fun. The tedious running around. There's lots and lots of running around. And annoying-ass mini-games. God, terrible. So many Mini games with trophies attached to them. God, so many, so many. I don't, I don't know if these were in the original PSP version or not. I think I don't, they were. I don't remember. But you, you didn't care because they weren't trophies attached to them, so you didn't really try that Yeah, hard. I didn't try that hard. So I, I got a bunch of these trophies for who knows what reason. I did a, a bunch of this dumb crap. It'd be different if the mini games were available, like after you unlocked them in the story, like if you could go back to the main, like the main menu and like retry them and try and get them. Yeah, no. Gosh. They were a limited time or like a one chance, and if you missed it, you'd have so to re get back to that. Unless you have yeah. a boatload of backup saves. Yeah, so many missable trophies. Yeah, but so yeah, we, I we gave can... up on. I was not going to get the platinum on this. So I... yeah, well, there's a hard trophy anyway. And I played through. I played through just to have fun. So yeah, 
So I think if, if if anything, if you're curious about story, just just do the story. I don't think the payoff for the missions is, is good enough to warrant. Like you said, there's some there's some there's some uh, world building and stuff. Excuse me. In some like of the that. yeah, in some of them. Some of them have world building. Majority don't. Uh, I would just play through this just to get the main um, the main story, which you say you can get in ten or fifteen hours. I would just run through the main story, and you could really get a good you know think you know learn about who Zach is and the stuff surrounding him. And the main the biggest thing is really really getting to see that that final scene, which you don't you don't get that final scene in the original game. I don't think mm-hmm. you get some scenes leading up to it a little bit here and there from small pieces, but you don't actually get to see the pivotal scene is not actually in the original Final Fantasy Seven. Mm. So it's cool to see that and see what it means and stuff like that. It's really cool. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who don't know what it, what it is. But uh, what else? I mean, uh, it does do a cool little thing where you get like a super upgraded uh, CG of an op- of the opening of Seven. So it's a little it's different though in a way. Yeah, they changed it enough. They, they upscaled like, eh. it a little bit, but it does like it does the whole cloud riding in on the train, which everyone's familiar with. Oh, it's Zach, but no, it's cloud. On the end of the game. At the end of yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, end yeah. of the game. Yeah, yeah. The, but the beginning of the game kind of does the same thing, but it's Zach. It tricks you into, you're like, what? What? Who's this? And But anyway, it was very, but it does do a to be continued in Final Fantasy VII thing, so I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else to add, but this last little mm-hmm. little thing is the, the gentleman who did the music was not. No, but we want to. My, my brain. But he did. Yeah. It's it's a lot of this. There's new music, of course, and there's a lot of there's some, some remixes. The majority of it was remixes. I will say that I did not like this soundtrack as compared to the Seven Remake, which also did remixes. But the Seven Remake intertwined them better into the thing and add and added layers of music. I liked a lot. And I'm a huge fan of the original soundtrack. Oh yeah, huge fan. The Seven Remake intertwined things and changed them. I like there was like combat sequences in the in, in Seven Remake mm-hmm. that would have like a version of the battle theme playing in the background, and then when you got into combat, it ramped up, and the combat ended, it would ramp back down, but kind of playing in the background. You, you remember how it would kind of yeah. ramp up and down, very smoothly done. Like they did a great job. The team that worked on that soundtrack. Uh, a slightly bigger budget. I don't think they adjusted. There's a much bigger budget. Of I don't course. think they adjusted. And I want to talk about about the guy who did this music. None of this music. Okay. I do gotta say one thing, and it because you hear it all the time. It's the main theme, the piano theme. Yeah. In the middle of that theme, was it just me, or is he f- the person playing the piano feel like they lost where the song was going? Maybe did you hear you have, that. You have a better ear for music than I do. That's true. Time. Yeah. There's a main thing that plays on the title screen. It plays on your PlayStation Five version. Like when you when, you, when you're on the game, it plays constantly. And there's, it's in the on the title screen. It's it, there's variants of it that play throughout the game itself. But there's a part, I'm not a piano player, but there's parts of that piano song where the guy feels like he forgets where he is in the song, and it drives me nuts because you hear it so much in the game because you were just kind of weren't listening to it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that that's the main that's the main piece of new music. This game, of course, has variants on Aerith's theme. You hear it throughout the game, done with different instruments and stuff, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Anytime Aerith's around, you have a you have kind of a variant on her theme, which I dare say is maybe over overused now because the theme is so famous. Yeah. You don't hear it that many times in the original game. You know, it's really important where it, where it's placed in the original game. Uh, you hear it bits and pieces in the in the Final Fantasy VII remake. So that's where I'm at on the. I didn't really nothing new. Uh, the the victory theme only plays during missions. Only yeah. I didn't ever hear the boss theme. 
I don't think I did. They use their own cool. I mean, there's some cool rock. There's some cool metal and stuff like that. They, I don't know. The guy just loves in some wicked wailing guitars for like boss themes and stuff like that. But not never heard the original boss theme throughout the whole game. I didn't hear the Genova theme anywhere. But you don't you, really you barely see Genova. Exactly. Genova like one time. Um, so a lot of that stuff's in there. Uh, if you're expecting like a trip down, like more nostalgia, if you're expecting a trip down memory lane of hearing, you do hear variants of some town themes and stuff like that. You hear, you do hear that kind of stuff, but if you're expecting like a real trip down memory lane, I feel there's a lot of original music. It's a good chunk of it. Of it, maybe some slight remixes. So me, I'm not a huge fan of this particular soundtrack necessarily. The composer is Takaharu Ishimoto. Mm-hmm. And in October... The month after the initial game came out, a 55-song OST was released Mm -hmm. in two CDs, and you can get digitally and stuff nowadays. But as a cool promotion in May, May, before the game came out in September of 2007, in May it was, as a promotional thing, revealed that the the prominent singer uh, Ayaka would be premiering a song written for the game. That plays in the end? Called Why. Is that the, the final song mm-hmm. that plays? And she herself was a fan of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, her quote is, I would like to deliver why alongside Zach's fate to, and have it be heard in the hearts of many people. Okay. I mean, I mean, That's cool. Yeah. I'll probably play that right, right here as we wrap up. Instead of, because we have a band for the end, we're going to wrap it with a band real quick. I think I'll, I'm saying like, like you ain't able to hear it, but I'll, I'll probably, if I can find that, which I usually can. I'll let that play out the Final Fantasy VII part here, so you can, people can hear it, and then it plays pretty much with the pretty much with the ending of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything else? No, I'm all good. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, maybe uh, we didn't buy this. We're, we're big Final Fantasy VII fans. But we didn't buy it because we knew originally we bought the original PSP version back in the day, so we knew this was short. So buying something short like this is kind of like a waste of like I think this is a forty dollar remake. I think so. Uh, but just as easy to game fly this and play it for 20 hours for us. And we game, we just game fly it and sent it back. Uh, that's all I got. Cause I
so we'll move on real quick to a band on the end here. And I'll try to make this quick so we can wrap this up and go get some lunch. Because we're always doing all our podcasts are just leading to our next meal. Um, the band I have for you today is uh, I'm not terribly familiar with them. They're, kind of, they're they're new to me and they're relatively a new band. They got one album out plus a, a new song that just come out. But the band is called Bear Ghost. And I think I heard of them through like when I see a band I know doing a tour, like even if I can't get to the see them on that tour, I kind of look at the bands that are touring with them. And I, so I must have seen this band touring with somebody else. So then I looked them up and kind of really kind of like the first album, what I heard on this first album. So they do have the one album right now. The album is called Blasterpiece, which is a funny, obviously a funny name for an album. Uh, it says from their actual website, it says, uh, it's just kind of funny. Uh, it says Bear Ghost is an adventure rock band. I think they've made that term up from Phoenix, Arizona that fuses intricate musicianship melodies and song structure to deliver a one of a kind sound. A lot of bands will say that, but I think these do, these guys do have a sound. that's kind of, kind of unique to them and they have a pretty, I feel like a unique singer as well. I don't know how long they've been around. I'm not reading this whole thing to y'all cause I'm just reading off the internet. Y'all can do that yourselves. But, uh, I think, I think they're a good time and, uh, they have a, a new song out. I'm not playing that one. They have a new song out. So when I, when the song I'm going to play, you could listen to that. If you like that, go, I like people to go like, listen to their new song and give it some, you know, give it some, give it some spins so they can get up, up on their Spotify numbers and stuff like that. So I am, I am just going to play, I said, I'll make this quick. I am just going to play the, a song called Necromancer, Necromancer Dancing. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Necromancer Dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, a fun a fun one that it's actually the opening track for Blaster Piece and it kind of kicks the album off to a pretty pretty fun and bombacious start. The, High the, album, the album itself is kind of a roller coaster of energy. I feel like there's some lower parts and some higher parts. It kind of does a, ro- a roller coaster, which is probably by des- by design. Uh, do you have anything? You you listened to the album with me a couple of times. Um, I I like their energy. I like their like there are. Just based off two songs in in, in particular, uh, we have uh, this one, which is Necromance and Dancing, which is uh, the, my favorite. I yeah. easily, I, I very much enjoyed it. They're big nerds because you, you listen to the dialogue and it's just funny, and the words he uses to 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 rhyme. It's a real good glimpse into his personality. And then they have another song called uh, Star Killer, which I didn't catch it until my second listen to it, but that is an entire song based around uh, Star Wars, based around Anakin Skywalker. Because <laughs> the chorus in that song was, uh, Hey, Annie, why don't you come down from the light and step into the dark? It's a good line. Yeah. And, but it, it was like, I was like, Annie, are they talking about like, a- Annie, are you okay from like Smooth Criminal? But you look at the spelling and it's A-N-I. Oh, you're like, okay. That is 100% a Star Wars thing. And the fact that it's called Star Killer. Mm-hmm. So I thought they, they're they're nerdy and they're yeah. fun and I look forward to listen to hearing more of their music because yeah. didn't they put out a single recently? I, that's what I said the single. Yeah. yeah, Rivers is a vampire is is the brand new single. Mm-hmm. So go go listen to that after after this and follow the band. Of course, all their social media, follow them on Spotify and play 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 the music. I'm sure this their single is probably leading into a, a new another album by them, which I'll, I'll be excited to hear. Uh, on Spotify, like Blake said, you can. Uh, he was following some of the lyrics. I was driving, so he listens. He has my phone. He's and you can Spotify now. But you pull up the lyrics. So there's in a lot songs. of songs and some songs. So they have they're, they're a, a pretty pretty quick band. But if you like, he said he was reading the lyrics and kind of chuckling. So there's some fun, 
there's some fun, you know, weaved in through their lyrics, and like some funny rhymes and stuff like that. They're just, I mean, all bands having fun, but it seems like a band who's just having a really good time making what they're making. Um, not quite as heavy as what we normally play. I just like the, uh, like you said, like when they wrote it in their thing, intricate musicianship. I do like the intricacies of what they're doing and their singer, the range of their singers a lot, is a lot of, is a lot of fun, kind of highs and some lows and just kind of, the band's just kind of all over the place a little bit. And it, uh, sounds chaotic, but, uh, I think they, they really pull it together into a tight little thing that they do. <laughs> I think that's about all I have to say for them. Do you have anything a, you want to add? A, here, here's a single lyric from this song. We're about from to, necromancing. From dancing. necromancing. Uh, let me find it again. All right. My, my cadavers drive a gathering of str- of streets of gleeful people. Seeing the deceased advance, they are the risen are ridden with rhythm and dance. <laughs> <laughs> they dig up the flesh with plenty of mold. Disease is a peason for them rickety bones. Like, that's a close rhyme, but still. Sounds better with the music. Yeah, it is. But Blake's dry reading does not sound as good as the song itself. No, they're, they're fun, high energy, and I'm I've really enjoyed. I look forward to what they do next. They're young. They're a young band. Yeah, it looks like some young, some young guys here in this little picture of them. Uh, all right. So with that, uh, we will let you guys go. Uh, follow us on all the social media stuff again. Come watch a uh, come come to our Twitch streams. We're having a lot of fun with the co op stuff with our with our cousin Brian there. And that leads into our the, the episode, like our previous episode about Dark Souls. Those Dark Souls, those those podcast episodes based on the uh, streams are maybe easier to follow and have more meaning to you if you've have been through some of our streams. You can actually watch some of our uh, our adventures. We talked about in the Dark Souls podcast that we really focused on the boss talk in that podcast, but so you missed a lot of the adventures getting to the bosses if you didn't watch the stream because it wasn't the whole game dark souls wasn't just boss fights it's the the key parts that we talked about were the boss fights because that's where a lot of time is spent but it, all other games you could have come in and kind of experience the whole thing with especially now uh we are literally just starting uh monster hunter rise like we've, we've done one little sitting where we've kind of tried to play through the prologue so come just come jump in uh follow us on uh twitch.tv forward slash two smoking controllers to see when we go live and come watch us uh, attempt to kill uh, big scary monsters in Monster Hunter Rise. I, I One last thing about uh, Bear Ghost. Back on Bear Ghost. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. I was, I was kind of looking at their numbers and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, they're small. They have a little a little less than 300,000 monthly listeners. That's not bad. That, that's, that's pretty decent. It's more than us. It's pretty by decent. About three, by about 300,000. But they're, because um, Versions of Vampires brand spanking new. That's only got like 400,000 listens. So almost oh, everyone. Only. Yeah. But then you have Starkiller, Sirens, and Funkle Phil, which is three, four, and five, all have between like 4.5, 3.9, and 3.5 million listens. That's a lot. Yeah. But number one, which is, it's not, it's not even a single, which is good. I was double checking to see if this was a single. It's oh, not, yeah, it's yeah. not a so single. I didn't pick a single by accident. Uh, not, not based off Spotify. It's not a single. But Necromance and Dancing, you got to think, Starkiller is at 4.8 million. Necromance and Dancing is 16.8 million listens this month. What is that total for the? Or for the total. total, for the, total I, for I didn't know yeah, if it was total. That's total. Yeah, that's total. But that, that's still a lot. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's. It's definitely the, my favorite of their songs, and I favorite of a bunch of other people's because it's just good and probably yeah. great for Halloween and stuff like that too. Oh, yeah, it's like you sure. know, it goes on all sorts of Halloween mixes, but it's great. Um, I don't have anything else to say. 
Yeah. So I'll let Blake do the final, his final, his final little sign off. I don't have a sign off. I never come up with anything. I'm too lazy. Edge. But edge. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not stealing from another another podcast. Sorry. <laughs> uh, at the end of this, you will hear uh, Necromancing dancing from Bear Ghost. Go look. Go look them up. I want to wish everybody 